0: Welcome to From the Front Porch, a conversational podcast about books, small business, and life in the South. He had left the path. His parents had given him a map and directions, and he had abandoned it all. Now his heart was so ink-dark he could be lost and not know it, and not care, and never know how to find his way back. Fatina Farheen Mirsa, a place for us. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia, and it's Thanksgiving. You're listening to this. On Thanksgiving, or maybe the day after, or the weekend after. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving back, in the words of You've Got Mail. I am thrilled to be here with another edition of Literary Therapy. So we've got four questions this week that I'm going to attempt to answer Fraser Crane style. The topics range from books for teenage boys to... How do we shut off Instagram? (laughs) How do we maintain a, a reading life in the world of Instagram? So without further ado, let's listen to the first question from Haley.
1: Hi, Annie. This is Haley in Louisville, Kentucky. And my bookish dilemma is that I haven't found or read my favorite book of the year so far. Last year, it was Ask Again Yes. The year before that, it was A Place for Us. And the year before that, it was A Gentleman in Moscow. These were just standout books that at the end of the year, they were the ones that stood out in my mind and were easy to pick as my top favorite. And I've read so many good books this year. I've read Transcendent Kingdom. I've read Saving Ruby King and the new Brit Bennett. But I haven't read a book yet that is just my clear-cut favorite and maybe this is a silly problem to have but I feel like you and I have really similar reading tastes and I was wondering if you could give me some advice and also maybe recommend some of your backlist all-time favorite books of the year from several years ago and I could maybe try a backlist book to be my favorite of the year
0: thanks Haley, the good news is you and I really do have similar reading tastes. And it sounds like the books you have loved over the past couple of years, I have loved too. So I was trying to think back what books I have included in my top 10 in the last couple of years that you hadn't mentioned. So I wonder if you had read The Ensemble by Asia Gable. I wondered if you had read They're There by Tommy Orange. The Nickel Boys by Colson Whitehead. The Dutch House by Anne Patchett, The Dearly Beloved by Kara Wall, and Olive Again by Elizabeth Strout. These are books that have similar themes to what you mentioned really loving, books with strong family characters, strong families at their center, maybe even, you didn't mention this, but it seems like you and I might both like books where faith plays a role. So these are some books that made my top 10 in 2019 and 2018. And now I'm wondering, too, about some other titles that came out earlier this year that you might have missed. So first on that list would be Transcendent Kingdom, which I think in your question you mentioned Britt Bennett, but I'm not sure you mentioned Yagyasi. And so Transcendent Kingdom, for me, really does cover the same themes that A Place for Us covers, just in a different way and with a different family and a different religion at its center. I also wanted to mention His Only Wife. And A Burning. So his only wife is by Peace uh, Medhi, And A Burning is by Megham and Jumdar. And both of these stories are so rich and character driven. They're there is a good comp for a burning, and I know you didn't mention they're there, so it may not be for you. But again, just the themes and these really beautiful, intricate storylines and characters I fell in love with in both A Burning and His Only Wife. And His Only Wife deals with infidelity, with marriage, with arranged marriage and what that looks like. So, So I think you might enjoy that title as well. I have not read yet, but Marilyn Robinson did come out with a new novel this year called Jack. So if you did love Gilead as I did, then I think you might enjoy Jack. It is certainly on my list. I love Marilyn Robinson if you've never read her. And Gilead would be a great backlist title if you haven't tackled that one yet. Along those same lines, another backlist title would be Crossing to Safety by Wallace Stegner, which you've probably heard me recommend a million times. But I think that was one of the first... Books I read in adulthood where I realized books about kind of boring normal people could be interesting, and I'm using air quotes around normal because who is normal, really? (laughs) But I guess just what do quiet lives matter? And I think there are some books that talk about that really well, and Crossing to Safety is one of them. The last book I'll mention also came out this year, but you may have missed it. It is Old Love Good Girls by Gail Godwin. I'm really recommending this one. I've recommended it a lot to people who liked Dearly Beloved by Kara Wall, except I think Dearly Beloved deals with marriage, and Old Love Good Girls deals with platonic friendships. And I love books about platonic friendships, and I mean that in the truest sense of the word, like the platonic ideal of friendship. And I think... Gail Godwin does that beautifully in Old Love Good Girls and kind of follows two women as they both meet in college and then grow up and older and into themselves. I loved it. So those would be some both backlist recommendations and some books from this year that might have just gotten lost in the shuffle of 2020. I also included some of my favorite books from the past couple years in hopes that you might find one that you hadn't read yet. I hope that helps, Haley.
1: Hey, Annie. This is Kelly from Jacksonville, Florida. I was wondering if you had any thoughts on getting my non-reading husband to read. Thanks.
0: Kelly, you and I have the same literary problem. My husband, Jordan, is a notorious, I hate to say non-reader because that's really not fair. I joke, and Jordan agrees, that... Law School Ruined Jordan's Reading Life. And I think if you are listening to this and you went to law school and you have a reading life now, congratulations. I feel like you've come a long way. Like, I just feel like it is really hard to go to school and to read so much. Jordan read so much, right? Those first really two years of law school, especially. And to come out of that and to have still have an enjoyment and an appreciation for reading for fun, I think is really hard. So Jordan isn't a huge reader. However, a couple of recommendations for you that worked for Jordan, Kelly. So the first is audiobooks. We obviously love Libro.fm for audiobooks because they are a great way to support independent bookstores like ours. So you can download the Libro.fm app, you can purchase books through their website, and then you can stream them from your phone. Jordan finds this to be very easy, and this is why I hesitate to call Jordan a non-reader. He is an avid audiobook listener. He has a commute into Tallahassee, not every day because hashtag global pandemic, but in previous years, he had a commute every day into Tallahassee, and so he listens to a lot of audiobooks. I've also learned to not judge what Jordan likes to read. So... For example, he's currently reading a nonfiction title by a former poker player who is talking about sociology and the ways playing poker affected how she views the world or something like that. He talks to me about it all the time. It sounds fascinating. It's not a book I would read, but he is really into it. And so make sure that it's not that your husband doesn't like to read. Maybe it's that he doesn't like to read what you like to read. And I think that that is okay. Our spouses, significant others, partners, friends don't have to read what we read. However, it sounds like maybe your husband just doesn't like to read. So something that has worked for Jordan, besides just audiobooks, which he loves, is reading books that then we can watch a show about together. So the first one that immediately comes to mind is Defending Jacob. This is by William Linday. It has been out a while. It's been out a few years It is a compulsively readable kind of suspense thriller. I've mentioned it before because we then wound up watching the show this year starring Chris Evans. It's on Apple TV. We loved watching it together because we both had read the book. I read the physical book. He listened to the audio book. He, in fact, remembered way more about it than I did. Jordan is an auditory learner, and I feel like he has an advantage over me in that way. And he remembered the entire plot of the book, whereas I could not remember really barely anything about it. So that was a book we both enjoyed in different formats, but we loved it so much that then we could watch the show together. So another one that might fit the bill could be, and I've not read this book yet, but I'm just throwing it out there. You Should Have Known, this is by Jean Hanth Korlitz. and there's a new show on HBO called The Undoing. It's starring Hugh Grant and Nicole Kidman, and Jordan and I are loving that show. It's early still. I think we're only on episode three, but we're really enjoying that show, and now that I know it's based on a book, I feel like that could have been a good book for Jordan to read. Jordan might have really liked that one. When it comes to fiction, Jordan either likes classic literature or, like, legal thriller suspense. Another one that comes to mind is The Dinner by Herman Coe. This book is a slow burn. It kind of takes place all in one sitting, one dinner. But it is so good. And Jordan and I both read that. I think he also listened to that book. And then we watched the movie together. So anything where you can – I don't know how you are, but Jordan and I love spending time together, like quality time love languages, blah, blah. So anything that we could read and experience together. And so that doesn't necessarily mean reading together, although we do occasionally enjoy that, and I'll get to that in a second. But also reading separately, him listening to the book, audiobook, me reading the physical book, and then coming together and watching a movie or a TV show based on that thing. I think nonfiction could be great here as well. I think about all the documentaries Jordan and I watch about O.J. Simpson or The Challenger or criminal justice or criminal justice reform. And I think... Finding a book that ties into those interests would be crucial. And I think Jordan really does tend to read a lot of nonfiction in those genres because of that, because of the things we wind up watching together. So tying it into something that you can enjoy doing together. I also just stand by legal thrillers. I'm going to mention John Grisham later in this episode, and I know people can feel a certain way about you know, commercial fiction, but I'm here for it if it gets people reading. And Jordan and I read together some John Grisham books in our early years of marriage, partly because we were enduring law school together. But also The Holdout by Graham Moore is a recent one that comes to mind. It's a great book about a jury trial. I didn't love it, but I think Jordan would have really appreciated it. So I'm just throwing those titles out there, anything kind of legal thriller, Well written nonfiction around stuff your husband is already interested in, and then reading something where you're reading the physical book, maybe, or he's reading the audiobook, and then watching a show about it together. The last thing I'll mention is that one thing that has also been fun for me and Jordan, but I know it might not be fun for everyone, is reading books together aloud. So we did that a little bit with, I'm thinking of Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil, or something like that, uh, about a place we had traveled. So That's one example, but to be perfectly honest, sometimes reading adult books together is just so – long. Like (laughs) like when you're reading those books aloud, it's part of the reason I get impatient with audiobooks because I can read faster than I can listen. Uh, I don't know what that says about me. Let's not analyze it too much. Instead, let's focus on the fact that a great solution for this is reading children's books together. So we have done some E.L. Konigsberg, and this year, as in previous Christmases past, uh, we might try The Best Christmas Pageant Ever by Barbara Robinson. That is one we have read together And enjoyed. And so it's like a little tradition for us now. So reading kid lit might also be fun. I do not know if that is something you and your husband would be interested in. I know that it is a little bit nerdy and not for everyone, but it is something that works for us. Kelly, I hope that helps. And again, I think the other thing is those of us who are reading evangelists like me and probably you, we can get really diehard about it and almost force it onto other people in a way that then turns them off. <laughs> uh, I'm not speaking from personal experience, <laughs> um, but I'm wondering if you take a more casual approach in one of these ways, if that might help. I'm just wondering if the more excited you are, maybe the less excited he is. I'm not going to force that on you, but I have experienced that in my own life <laughs> to some extent, and so. It's okay for the people we love to have different hobbies or have different interests, but I totally understand wanting to share something you love with the person you love. And so I hope these are simple ways where you might be able to do that.
1: Hi Annie, my name's Tony. I live in Los Angeles, California. I am calling because I have a teenage son, he's 15. He's a pretty good reader. But I have a hard time getting him to pick up new books that aren't for school. He seems to enjoy books once he gets into them. But getting him to start a new book is sometimes hard. And I just don't really know what teenage boys like to read. So I don't know what to offer him. So any suggestions would be great. Thank you.
0: Tony, first, I feel like you should know that you are not alone. Do you know how many grandmothers, mothers, sometimes dads and granddads, we get in the bookshelf looking for books for their teenage son? It is so tough, especially, and I think we often associate reading challenges, like difficulties with reading, with reluctant readers uh, young men maybe who don't enjoy reading. But actually what we have found to be true, at least in our store and with our customers, is that we have a lot of young men who love to read and who grew up on Wimpy Kid or Dogman or Harry Potter. And now they've outgrown, and I'm using air quotes because obviously we don't ever really outgrow Harry Potter, but they've already read those titles and they're ready to move on and read something else. And it does seem like there's a little bit... Of a gap between that age group and then the high school reading group, who I think spend so much of their time reading for school that they forget that they can read for fun and that there are books out there outside of maybe the classic literature they're reading in school. So you're not alone and we're here to help. So Olivia is really our children's book expert and our young adult book expert, but I'm going to throw out some of my suggestions, and then we're going to get to some of Olivia's picks. It sounds like your son actually does enjoy or at least doesn't mind classic literature, and I think that's great. Um, I have a feeling that's probably what he is reading in school, and so I think it's okay to kind of lean into that. So I'm thinking of The Giver by Lois Lowry. I'm thinking The Hobbit by Tolkien. Probably he's already read Hatchet by Gary Paulson, these books that are what I would call classic adjacent. They're books we've read in school or books we are at least familiar with, but they also maybe tie into summer required reading or something like that, like The Outsiders. And again, I think it's okay if that's all a person reads. We talked earlier about Jordan and his reading life being really affected by school, I think we all are that way. I don't recall having a super vibrant reading life outside of school when I was in college. Like I just do not have a big memory of reading a ton of great books outside of the books I was required to read in my college programs. So I do think we need to take it easy on our kids a little bit. Not, Tony, like you're pressuring your son to love, to love books. But I do think we forget, hey, they're actually reading a lot at school. At least I think about our local high school's who come in or who plan the required reading. Kids are reading a lot, and maybe they're just tired. (laughs) Maybe they have already spent up all of their energy on reading these books, just like we did when we were in school. So a little bit of grace for all of us, I think, in that – When we're in hectic, busy seasons, whether it's sports or high school or just a busy retail season, for example, it's okay to not be avid readers all of the time. Like it's okay to have little slumps or slow periods. But if you want your son to have a reading habit and a reading life outside of required reading, I totally respect that. I want the same for my future children. I wanted that for myself when I was a kid. I think there are ways to do that. I think it's okay to read books that are for a younger age group than you are, especially when you are just trying to read for fun. I think about now the books that are enjoyable to me when I am in the middle of a reading slump or a slower reading period, I am drawn to some young adult lit or to some rom-com. I think that is okay. So if he wants to read younger than he is, like the Mysterious Benedict Society, I think that's okay. If he wants to read the Maze Runner series by James Dashner, that's a book series that we always recommend for uh, kids who have kind of outgrown the younger children's chapter books but are still making their way and trying to find their way in the young adult section because the young adult section is a little bit all over the place if I'm being perfectly honest. I know one author Olivia loves to hand sell, and one author that I would also recommend is Jason Reynolds. He's got a great graphic novel out right now. It's very deep and sad and moving, but it is called Long Way Down. I think your son might enjoy that, but also just really anything by Jason Reynolds. Look him up. I think you'll see quite a few titles that your son might be interested in. I know that Olivia loves hand-selling Jason Reynolds, and we get pretty universal positive feedback from our customers who read him or who give them to their kids, grandkids to read. I'm also going to put a plug in for John Grisham. And again, I know people feel different ways about more commercial literature, like James Patterson or like John Grisham or CJ Box. First of all, Olivia loves CJ Box. I like John Grisham. Like, I think commercial literature is good. Like it 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 serves a really great purpose which is to help people fall in love with reading again and to get them reading compulsively again i think john grisham is really good at that so If your son has not tried John Grisham, I'd really recommend it. We have, I'm thinking now of a very particular granddad who comes in and he regularly buys the new John Grisham book for his grandson and then the grandson reads it and the granddad reads it and they talk about it together. And I can think of nothing more adorable. So I think your son might enjoy I don't know, and I think that would be so very different from, like, The Great Gatsby. Like, whatever he's required to read in school, I think John Grisham is probably very different from that. And so I think that could be really fun. I'm also going to recommend a couple of fantasy titles that Olivia really likes. I am slower... To appreciate fantasy lit, but I know there is such a wide audience who enjoys it. So that would be The Inheritance Games or Children of Blood and Bone. She also likes to hand sell Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children, which I think your son might enjoy if he likes the Harry Potter, Artemis Fowl but it's it's dark. <laughs> so I, But I think that's probably okay. So those are some other recommendations as well. I think the key here is to continue to encourage his reading life for school because if he actually enjoys required reading, that's pretty miraculous and honestly might be good enough for now. <laughs> like, like that might be enough. But if you want to encourage him to read beyond the required reading or the summer reading lists, then I think these are some modern books that he might enjoy and some page turners that he might enjoy. I think it's great to read classic literature, but I know what you mean in making sure that he has established kind of a reading habit and something that he can enjoy doing in his spare time. And so I'm wondering if. Something that is more fast-paced might be enjoyable. And even some of the recommendations we recommended to Kelly's husband, some of those recommendations might also work for your son. I hope that helps a little bit, Tony. I, I just want you to know you're not alone. Kudos to your son if he's reading classic literature and enjoying it. I'm very impressed. And there are books out there. You might have to think beyond and outside of young adult literature. I do think there is some young adult lit that your son might enjoy. I hope we've mentioned some titles here. But you also might have to think about maybe a nonfiction title that is something that might be of interest to him. Um, An Anthony Horowitz, if he prefers kind of Agatha Christie murder mysteries. John Grisham, if he likes courtroom dramas. CJ Box, if he likes Westerns. That kind of thing. So hopefully those help your son establish a regular pattern of reading outside the boundaries of school reading.
1: Hi, Annie. This is Taylor from Portland, Maine. Instagram impedes on my reading time. I think it often starts innocently enough that I feel I only have a few minutes of free time, not enough time to read, but then a few minutes becomes an hour, and I realize I could have made
0: progress on my book. How do I find balance and read more? Taylor, this is a great question. And also, you should be a podcast host. You have such a great voice. Uh, Thanks for submitting your question. I think Taylor is all of us, right? Aren't we all addicted to our phones? Isn't that the point of that Netflix documentary that some of us have watched and some of us haven't because we're scared? I think phones are a problem, and yet I also know they're they're a great tool for good. So it's a real it's a real conundrum. I'll tell you some things that have worked for me or that I am interested in based on listening to your question and putting myself in your shoes because I am you. Like <laughs> your struggle is my own struggle. The first thing I would recommend, and I've recommended this before, is deleting the app. Now look, this isn't always a great solution because for me, if I delete the app, which this is dumb Instagram, why do you do this? If I delete the app, I delete my scheduled or draft posts. Since I run the bookshelf's Instagram on occasion, plus I post my own book reviews, deleting the app would mean losing some content that I really can't afford to lose. But if you are in a season where you can. I recommend deleting the app just a little bit at a time, like a few days or a few hours. Deleting and reinstalling the app is truly not that big of a deal. Like if I recall when I delete and reinstall the app, it like remembers your password. So you don't even have to re log in. I think that's strange and that concerns me for security purposes, but nevertheless, it is so easy to delete the app and reinstall the app. So if you have a night... Um, and in fact, Jordan and I, we do not abide by it very much right now or anymore. But between Halloween and Thanksgiving, a woman I followed on Instagram, actually, I think she's a podcast listener, Carrie, would institute what she called candle time. And she would limit electricity or the use of electric electronic devices. So they would use a lot of candlelight. They would focus on reading together as a family rather than turning on the TV, which Jordan and I typically watch a lot of TV together. So candle time, this time of year, maybe even leading up to Christmas, might be a good time to try deleting your app in the evenings, or maybe you're going to delete your app on on Friday through Sunday, and you're going to set aside then what the time you would have spent scrolling Instagram for reading. So I highly recommend deleting your app for certain periods of time at a time, because if you're like me, you really are addicted to your phone. (laughs) And so you really do pick it up and like go to tap the Instagram icon, and then it's not there. (laughs) So, So I can't recommend that enough. Like I think that's a great tip and trick to kind of wean yourself off the app itself. The other thing that I am kind of intrigued by and now I'm wondering if I should do <laughs> is I'm wondering about a subscription to The New Yorker or The Atlantic or something like that. Here's why. You're on your phone anyway. I am not a huge electronic device reader. I don't have a Kindle. I don't like to read ebooks. That's just my personal preference. Your preference may be different. So if you like reading on an electronic device, maybe download a book to your iPhone. We're basically conditioned, right, to pick up our phone anyway, but what if instead of tapping the Instagram icon, we instead tap the book icon and we read for a few minutes? What's the difference, right, between scrolling for 5 to 10 minutes, which we all know turns into 30 to 40 minutes, versus reading for 30 to 40 minutes? I think the problem a lot of us have with this, and you touch on it a little bit in your question, is reading is right at its best, an immersive experience. And so it feels silly. And I know exactly what you're describing because I feel like this happens to me all the time. I have five minutes. Five minutes is not long enough for me to really get enmeshed in this fiction book that I'm loving, but it is long enough for me to scroll through some things. So if you have a subscription, so I think eBooks are one solution, but I'm wondering if you had a subscription to The New Yorker, which includes fiction and poetry, right? Instead of scrolling, you're pulling up a New Yorker article on your phone or a poem on your phone that then might lead to future reading. So you may fall in love with an author's essay or work through the New Yorker and then subsequently have a new book to read on your list. So let's not think of reading as just reading fiction or getting immersed in a great new book, although that is what I love the most, what if it's also reading poetry or reading a nonfiction essay or reading a book review? Like the New York Times book review is great because often it's authors about other authors. And then you're going to enrich your reading life because you're going to have access to reviews and authors' work, and you're going to grow your TBR list. So. Again, I'm just wondering if a subscription to the New York Times Book Review or The New Yorker or The Atlantic or something like that that produces really good quality, both fiction and nonfiction, might be a great supplement to your reading life. I think the issue is we associate scrolling as like space filler, like time filler, And reading great fiction isn't really space filler. It's an activity unto itself, at least for me. So what can we do that is space filling? And I'm thinking that poetry or essays might be a great solution. If you are not an e-reader or if you don't want to download yet another thing to your phone, I get it. And this is why I always advocate that in your purse or in your bag or in your car Wherever you are, you have one book of short stories or essays that will keep you going. Because again, if you're like me, five minutes isn't really helpful for reading that really great literary fiction book you've picked out. But it might be enough time to read half a David Sedaris story. I love the Moth book collections for this. I'm thinking of All These Wonders and Occasional Magic, those are two different collections. All These Wonders and Occasional Magic, I... Got one of these books as like my book for my book club's December gift exchange a couple of years ago. And I'll never forget what my friend told me, which was this was a great book for her to read while she was pregnant and in her early days of motherhood because it was a way for her to continue her reading habit. But they were short little essays, almost like, <laughs> I don't know, little This American Life stories, <laughs> little snippets um, that she was able to read in between feedings or in the middle of the night. And I loved that idea because even those of us who maybe aren't mothers or who don't have weird schedules still need things that we can just kind of read to keep the rhythm going or to keep us off our phones because maybe we just don't want to be attached to our phones anymore. And so I can't recommend enough finding a book of essays. And, and it doesn't even have to be – I think I like these moths storytelling collections because some of them are short stories, some are nonfiction, some are poems. Um, But you could even do a collection of funny essays like uh, Mindy Kaling or – a collection by Nora Ephron or something like that. I loved the short story collection by B.J. Novak, which is all fiction, but some of it was like microfiction, like a paragraph, and then some of it was pages long. I loved that book when it came out. So you could just rely on an author that you love and trust and read one of their collections. There are also, around this time of year, always those best of Collections like Best of Nonfiction 2020, et cetera. I think those could be great. So maybe you can't afford or don't want a subscription to The New Yorker because maybe you're worried you won't actually use it. I get that. But what if you had lying around the house a Best of collection? And next time you have, I don't know, I'm thinking of five to 10 minutes while you wait for your water to boil. This is what happens to me frequently. Um, you're waiting for your water to boil and you don't want to scroll your phone, you would like to read instead. Like, what if that book was sitting around? What if, like, on my coffee table right now is a copy of HRH by Elizabeth Holmes? That book, the other night, I decided to flip through it instead of picking up my phone and wound up becoming really enmeshed in it. So I think having books around wherever you are, whether that's your coffee table or on your kitchen bar or in your car, I think that is also key is having it easy. You don't want to have five to 10 minutes and be like, what should I do right now? Because that question is going to lead you to just open your phone because decision fatigue. So if you already have books around, I think that will help too. So those are my best recommendations, Taylor. I feel you, I have that same problem, but I'm wondering if those might be some habits that you could try instilling, especially as we turn the new page to a new calendar year. I wonder if that's something that could help eliminate some of the scrolling time that you want to eliminate. I might be trying some of these for myself. So thank you for your question. Friends, thank you so much for all the ways that you have supported from the front porch this year. If you are listening on Thanksgiving Day, happy Thanksgiving. If you are listening later, happy holidays. We will continue having episodes leading up until Christmas Day. I am deciding now if we want to take a little break in January to kind of recoup. It has been a crazy year. But one real highlight for me has been these episodes and listening and hearing from you and seeing all the different ways you have supported the bookshelf this year. I have said it to our Patreon supporters, but let me say it to you as well. The bookshelf is still here and still in existence in the middle of a global pandemic because of long distance customers and listeners. We watched this year while our local customers had to sit out, right? They couldn't shop with us for a few months. And we watched as online customers and supporters came out of the woodwork. They listened to the podcast, and then they came and supported us by purchasing things. And I am so grateful. You have kept us in business in 2020, and I cannot thank you enough. Our local customers are back in store, which we are thrilled about. But so many of you are still supporting us by purchasing audiobooks on Libro.fm, by leaving nice comments about the podcast, by tagging us in your Instagram stories and posts, and by making purchases. And we're so grateful. This weekend, Black Friday through Cyber Monday, use the 10% off code keep us here to receive 10% off pre-orders and shelf subscriptions. We did this because those are two things that really help keep us around all year long. They're a great way to shop small all year long. So, keep us here is the 10% off code that you can use when purchasing books from the bookshelf, pre-orders and shelf subscriptions, Black Friday through Cyber Monday, 10% off pre-orders and shelf subscriptions. We would love it if you supported us in that way, but we also want you to support your local small businesses wherever you are this holiday season. Thank you for shopping small. Thank you for loving what we do. We are so grateful for you. Front Porch is a weekly podcast production of the Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in Thomasville, Georgia. You can follow the Bookshelf's daily happenings on Instagram at bookshelftville, and all the books from today's episode can be found through our store website www.bookshelfthomasville.com. A full transcript of today's episode can be found at FromTheFrontPorchPodcast.com. Special thanks to Dylan and his team at Studio D Production for sound and editing, for our aforementioned transcript, and for our theme music, which sets the perfect warm and friendly tone for our Thursday conversations. This week, I'm reading Anna Kay by Jenny Lee. If you liked what you heard on today's episode, tell us by leaving a review on iTunes, or if you're so inclined, you can support us on Patreon, where you can hear our staff's weekly New Release Tuesday conversations, read full book reviews in our monthly Shelf Life newsletter, follow along as Hunter and I conquer a classic, and receive free media mail shipping on all your online book orders. Just go to patreon.com forward slash from the front porch. We're so grateful for you, and we look forward to meeting back here next week.